Genesis chapter 3. Look at verse 3 this morning. As I talk about the perfect exchange, I want to show us in the scriptures what Jesus did for us. I've been talking about the cross. I've been talking about the blood of Jesus. But how many know that we don't really know what we need, why we need salvation, if we don't know what happened to make, make us need a Savior? It's very important we go back to the origins of why we're sinners. It's very important that we understand that we are sinners. It's very important that we understand that it doesn't matter how good we are, how good we try to be, we will always be, without Jesus, sinners. Okay? There's no getting out of that. There's nothing you can do to change that. And I want to show you in Genesis chapter 3 that once again, I want, I want you to see again very clearly what happened when the fall of man took place. This is important doctrine to what we believe in the Bible. In verse 3, we know that the Bible says that the, of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it. This is Eve talking to the serpent as he's tempting her to go to that tree of life. And there's some key words here. She says, nor shall you touch it. And then here's the key words, lest you die. Okay? I, I know that's not a very popular word, but die is very important to understand. We are all going to, outside of Jesus coming back in the rapture, we're going to die. Everybody's going to die. There's, you cannot get away from dying. You will die. I know that's not the good news this morning, but it's the truth. We are going to die. And you know, we know in, this, in the United States there's a saying we have, there's two things for sure, death and taxes. All right, you're going to pay your taxes and you're going to die. Those are two things you can't get out of. But that's a physical death that we think of when this body breathes its last breath. What the world doesn't understand and what the world needs to understand and what we need as our job is to help the world understand is that it's not just a physical death. If we don't have Jesus Christ in our life, it's a spiritual death. And it's not that the lights go out and life is over and I had a good or I had a bad life. Eternity begins. So as you're taking notes, I want you to write that word down. Big. Eternity. E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y in bold letters, underline it, and, and realize that this life right here is temporary. Very temporary. Brian testified right now that his life could have ended last night in a, split, in a split second. How many know that every day we go through our lives, our life could end at any moment? I mean, you turn that car, you don't see that car, that car doesn't see you, crash, it's over. And eternity begins at that moment. And so we have to realize that we need uh, the perfection of God in our lives, but we can't have that perfection on our own. So let's look at a few more verses. Verse 4 says, Then the serpent said, You're not going to surely die. How many know the devil's always going to lie? He's a liar. Then go down to verse 7. I'm going to run through a couple key verses here. Then the eyes, so they sinned. They, they gave in. And it says, The eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And then we talked about this, the part I talked about last week. It's very important to reiterate it again. It says, they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. That is the picture of the world today. That says, I am going to make my own religion. I'm going to make, even if someone says they're not religious, the way they live their life is the way they, they view themselves. How many can understand what I'm saying? You don't have to say I'm a religious person, right? I'm part of this church or that church. Everyone in this world today is making fig leaves for themselves. They're living their life according to what they want to live. And outside of the word of God, they're wrong. And so our, our, our call this morning as believers is to not only be an oracle of the truth, but to make sure we understand the truth. To make sure we understand what we need in our lives and what we don't have without Jesus. 
And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings. They all of a sudden knew they were sinners. How many know that if, if you get somebody uh, alone, if you get them one-on-one, if you can get them in a place where you're talking to them real, they're going to they're gonna admit that they, they've got issues. Amen. There's always people that are going to put up fronts. We, we, uh, I've got Brian here and Tyrone here and Dwayne here. We play basketball and we, we try to reach out to these guys. I was praying one of these guys was going to come today. He actually told me he was going to. Actually, two guys. Neither one showed up. Devil's a liar. But I'm going to keep working on him. But we always talk about when we're out there on that basketball court and we're sharing our faith and we're giving out tracts and we're witnessing and we're telling about the Lord. And I'm telling you, we do. We tell them about Jesus. Amen. That, that man that stood up here and prayed today is fruit of the witnessing on the basketball court. Amen. I led him to the Lord from basketball. But the thing that happened is me and Brian began to get on our own. And I was able, me and Brian were able to talk one-on-one and get all the friends away. See, a person's different when they're by themselves. When they're with other people, they try to put up a front and they try to act a certain way. And then when someone else is acting hard, they act hard. When someone else is acting stupid, they act stupid. When someone else is acting ignorant, they act ignorant, smart, smart, whatever. You act like you are who you're around. But if you can get that person on one-on-one, they're going to realize, listen, I need help. And those same people that say they don't believe in God and those same people that say they don't want anything to have to do with church and they don't this and they don't that are going to be the people that got your number that when something bad goes wrong, you're going to be the one they call. You're going to be the one they pick up the phone and say, hey, I need help because you've built a relationship with them. So these people were putting on, people are always putting on fig leaves. They're covering themselves up, making themselves look a certain way. And the greatest thing you can do this morning with God is be real with him. Be real. Amen. Look at someone next to you and say, be real. real. Praise God. Let's look down a few more verses. 17, sorry, 14. We see that a curse begins to come on us. Because of sin. It's very important you understand the curse. Verse 14. The Lord said to the serpent. Because you've done this. Tempting Adam and Eve. You're cursed. More than all the cattle. And more than every beast of the field. Okay. Then go down to verse 17. We see he says to Adam. Because you have heard the voice of your wife. And have eaten the tree of of which I commanded you. Saying you should not eat. Look what happens. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it. All the days of your life. Amen. Now this is important here. If you notice he cursed the devil. But he cursed the ground that Adam worked. He did not curse Adam. Okay at this moment. He did not curse Adam as a person. He cursed the fact that he was going to have to work now. Okay and for some people that is a curse. Amen. (laughs) Some people don't like work. Amen. And, And so he cursed the ground. That he walked on. He said, from now on, you're going to have to toil. Okay? And, and the reason this morning we need a perfect exchange, the reason we need the blood of Jesus, and the reason we need divine intervention is not just the fact that they sinned, but there was something that was added to that. As you go on, we look at verse 20 right there. It says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Verse 21, And Adam and his wife, for the Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. So he said, No, I'm going to show you that your fig leaves that your righteousness is filthy rags. What you think is the way to God is wrong. So I'm going to show you the only way you can be covered for your sins is through me. Amen. If God made us, God's the only one that can save us. 
And we got to do things God's way. We can't do things our way. The Bible says in Proverbs, there's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. So if you want to keep walking down the ways of destruction, you just keep doing what you want to do. But if you want to be on the right path, you need to see what the word of God says. So he shed blood and he made tunics for these. He killed an animal, which was the first sacrifice. But I want to go into something I didn't mention last week. One more chapter over in chapter four. If you look at that real quick, how many know the story of Cain and Abel? These are Adam and Eve's sons. And they are offering a sacrifice unto God. And that's not the point of what I'm saying here this morning. But the point was Cain and Abel got in a fight. Cain was jealous of Abel and and, uh, Cain killed Abel by bloodshed. We see the first murder in the Bible. Okay, and right here, watch this in verse 11. After it's done, he says in verse 11, so now, so now you are cursed from the earth. So now the sin curse has come greater now on us because of the shedding of blood. Okay, before Adam, we we know the sin nature entered in as soon as they sinned. But the actual cursing from God was on that ground they were toiling with Adam. Now it's on them because of the bloodshed of Cain killing Abel. Amen? So let's look at Hebrews chapter 9. Let's go all the way to the New Testament now. Remember we're talking about the perfect exchange. I'll get there in a second. This will all make sense. Hebrews chapter 9. Say amen when you get there. I want to read some powerful verses. If you want to understand the New Testament of the Old Testament revealed, read the book of Hebrews. It talks about the priesthood. It talks about the sacrifice. It talks about Jesus. And it talks about all the order being fulfilled. And Hebrews is very important for that when we talk about these things. Get in the book of Hebrews. Read the book of Hebrews. Study the book of Hebrews. And we see here in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13... For if the blood of, blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. That was Old Testament. Okay. Just look at me real quick to make sure we're all on the same page. I don't want to leave anybody behind. When Adam and Eve sinned, sin came on the earth. Now they needed to be forgiven for their sins. He killed that animal. He covered them with the the tunics of the animals. And the covering of of sin came from God by a sacrifice. That is where the sacrifice of animals started. The first one was when Cain killed Abel. An animal was sacrificed. Somehow we say, why has an animal got to be sacrificed? That's what happened when Cain killed Abel. Okay? They, they, or sorry, when Adam and Eve sinned, they, they put that on them. Then the bloodshed was revealed in, in Cain killing Abel. Shed, blood was actually shed from one human being to another. Okay? And it started there and it's never ended. Bloodshed. Right. Amen? It's a huge, it's always been and always will be. Right. And, and you can say, I don't like it, I don't agree with it, but hey, read the Bible. It's there. Amen? Bloodshed is ugly, but it's there all the way through the Bible because it started with us. Right. Cain killed Abel. That was not God's intention. God's intention was not for blood to be shed. God's intention was for us to do right. Amen? Amen? Don't ever forget that. This is not God's fault. This is our fault. Look in the mirror and blame yourself. Amen? Don't blame anybody else. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Don't try to figure all these other things out. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Amen? And so we see here that now the blood is being shed through sacrifice of animals. And the priest would have to go in to do that. And you can read 
Leviticus, and you can read Deuteronomy, and you can read uh, those scripts, those chapters, and see how all that happened, and it's very important. But now he's saying, watch this, this is what makes it so awesome that we live in the day we live in. Because he said in verse 13, if, if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer and the sprinkling of the, the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of, purifying of the flesh, that's Old Testament, how much more, say how much more, shall the blood of Christ, shall the blood of Christ, amen, watch this, who through the eternal spirit, through the eternal spirit, Offered himself without spot to God. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Amen. So we see there is this word is very important. The eternal spirit. Okay. Jesus came down to be the eternal sacrifice. He came down to be the eternal spirit. We see here in this once again how the spirit of God and God and Christ are working together. We see the Trinity. Amen? We see the eternal spirit. We see God being offered unto him. And we see Christ the Son being the Savior and the one who offers himself. And you will see that from Genesis to Revelation. You'll see these scriptures where you see God and you see the Son and you see the Spirit mentioned. And they're three in one. Amen. And say amen. Say thank God. Now watch this. If you remember in the Bible, Jesus is being crucified and he says the most powerful words in the Bible. He says these words, it, in John 19, 30, it is finished. Amen. It is finished. And when he said those words, we don't understand sometimes how important that was because that was the finishing of the need of animals having to be sacrificed and their blood having to be shed. He said, I'm doing this once and for all. It's for today. Amen. It was for back then, but it's more for today than it ever is before. And it'll be for however long in the future it needs to be. He said it is finished. And watch this in the Greek, the word in the Greek in the New Testament, this means completely perfect. Completely perfect. See, that's a word we don't know anything about. As human beings, we can strive all day long. You can think of the best person you know. Someone comes to your mind, a grandma, a grandpa, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle, somebody in your life. You say, man, that person's almost perfect, but they're just almost perfect. There is nobody perfect. Amen. Nobody. But Jesus became perfect for us because he said it is finished. And that word means completely perfect. Now watch this. What Jesus did on the cross contained everything. Everything. How many know everything means everything? That means you can't but anything. Accept anything. You can't throw any buts in there. B-U-T. Amen. It means everything I could ever need physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, emotionally. Anything I could ever need in my life is done in those words. It is finished. Meaning it is completely finished. Perfect. We do not serve a man. We do not serve a theory. We do not serve an idea. We serve a living king today who is completely perfect. Amen. And the price he paid on the cross gives us as well perfection. Gives us perfection. Second Peter 1.3 says his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life. 
So anything you need this morning, you have. I need an answer, you have it. I need a job, you have it. I need a thought, you have it. Anything you need is there for the taking. We have not because we ask not. Well, you don't know what I'm going through this morning, but God does. You're right, I don't. I don't, have, I don't have a clue what you're going through, but God does. And you need to get to a place where you understand that God has already taken care of your problem. It's already been taken care of. It's already been nailed to the cross. Amen. He has completely and perfectly made a way. How many know there's flaws in religions? There's always going to be a loophole, as they say. There's always going to be something that's wrong. When Jesus paid the price on the cross for our sins, that loophole was taken care of. Because when he says, God says, I completely, perfectly died for you, that's what it means. Amen. Then all we have to do is accept it. Now, life was supposed to be different, I said a few minutes ago. It's hard for us to imagine that. But how many have ever had a really good day? I hope everybody's had at least a good day. Didn't ask recently or yesterday, but you ever had that day, it was just a good day. And maybe it was with the family, maybe you saw a beautiful sunset, maybe you saw a rainbow, everything just kind of fell into place. It was a place you like, there was just something beautiful, and, 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 and maybe you were traveling, I remember we were going to conference this time, it was so fun being with my in-laws because my, my father-in-law just loves to sightsee, and we'd just get out of the car and all of a sudden we wouldn't know where he was, and he'd just be gone, walking somewhere, looking around, and uh, thank God he doesn't have Alzheimer's, amen, because we've never found him. But he was just gone. And so we were looking at sunsets and mountains. And on the way back from conference, I don't know if anybody else saw this. You probably did. Uh, We were about 10 o'clock in the morning going through a certain section. And we came around a corner. And you could just see fog for for as far as you could see. And it looked like, it just looked like the presence of God was just sitting on the mountains. And we got out and we took pictures. And, you know, you look at those things or, or you think of a favorite meal. I know nobody in here likes to eat. Amen. I know nobody has any problems eating too much, amen. But how many like to eat? Anybody's hands that doesn't go up? Now you don't have to raise them. I just want to see the weird ones, amen. <laughs> so I can also wish. I do wish sometimes I didn't like food so much. But food is good. Great meal, family time. See, we're coming into my favorite time of the year. It's not. It's not my favorite here, amen. But it's my favorite. All the eating and all the time together with the family. Christmas and Thanksgiving and just being together. So you think of those times, even services, where we're all together as we're walking around and, and, and greeting each other. And you just think of those neat times where everything's just going good. Amen? And you, you just think, man, I, this, I was, life was like this all the time. How many are following me? That's what God intended. God wanted life to be like that. He didn't want accidents and murders and pain and cancers and disease and, 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 and slaughters and violence and all. He didn't want any of that. We've got to remember that. That was not God's plan. We messed up. And, and until you take ownership of the mess up, you're going to keep missing God. Because it's just human nature. And I've been saying this. It's just human nature for us to blame somebody else. It's their fault. How many know that the quicker you take the blame for your personal walk, your life, and say, I am a sinner. I need a Savior. The quicker you'll be forgiven. Amen? Amen? 
And so life wasn't supposed to be like this. And so today, especially more than ever before, people are walking around with a void in their hearts. A void. And we know that they fill that void with alcohol. They fill that void with drugs. They fill that void with relationships. They fill that void with hobbies. They fill that void with food. They fill that void with all kinds of things. And every single one of us has to fight that, especially those that do not know the Lord. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how many things you have. You you see on the news all the time, these people that have everything the world could say they could ever have, and they're miserable. Why is it that all these actors and athletes and people are checking themselves into Betty Ford when they have everything the world could ever offer because they don't have the one thing that can fill their void? There's a void in people's lives, and it's a void that only God can fill. Only God can fill. And so so there's a world out there that's, that's searching. We have the answer. But I believe even inside the church, there's a group, a large group of people who have a head knowledge of the Lord, but they don't know the Lord. They don't personally know the Lord. You know, I'll just give a quick testimony from my brother-in-law. He, he, uh, he's, you know, you know his story. He was an atheist and got saved last year. And uh, now he's, praise God, he's preaching in the prisons. Isn't that awesome? He's, he got an opportunity to preach in the prisons. And he's, God's opened up doors for him like crazy to just tell his testimony. And so he, he's, he loves dogs. He has, I think, three dogs. Him and, his, and my sister-in-law love their dogs. And he has this little one called Pixie. And he does a lot of biking, cycling. So he goes up into the mountains of Costa Rica and he does like crazy 20, 30, 40 mile rides. Makes me jealous. Amen. My record was 17 miles thought that was awesome. Seven, he laughs at 17. And so he does all these bike rides, and that dog will go before him. He'll go in front of him. And just everywhere they go, the dog just knows. And it's just little tiny dogs, not that big. Well, last week, uh, there were some big thunderstorms, lightning and all this stuff, and the dog left. Like, they, they can fit through the, you know, gate, but he doesn't leave because he likes where he lives. And he's trained. But some thunderstorms happened, and the dog was gone. And so I guess he ran out with the lightning and the thunder. So he came home, and, and he voxed. We talk on Voxer. And so it's an Internet way to talk. And so he would, I could just tell he was distraught. And he said, man, I lost my dog. I don't know where my dog is. And he's out searching. He's riding around. He's looking for it. And he's putting up signs. And, and then in the midst of that, he's, he's trying to be strong. And he's saying, but... You know, I, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to believe God. And if, 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 you know, I'm supposed to lose my dog, then I'm going to, it's okay. You know, how many know a lot of times we say stuff like that? You really don't mean it. But you are saying the right thing. He was saying all the right things. So time passed and went on. And he finally, I remember Voxed me again. He said, God is really dealing with me. Now, this is just an example. He said, God's really dealing with me. And God is showing me that he wants me to seek him. In times like this, he wants to be the void that my dog is missing. Now, I'm giving this as an example. We all have things that are, we fill our void with. All of us. And it's only a God if it's greater than God. Okay? It's okay to have a hobby as long as that hobby is not greater than God. It's okay to love your husband or wife as long as you don't love them more than you love God. It's okay to love your job as long as you don't love your job more than you love God. It's okay to do all those things as long as that's not in the place that's supposed to be for Jesus. And so he 
he, 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 he told me that. And I said, man, I'm, I pray that someone found it. I said, just, just pray and believe that someone found it and they're taking good care of it. Don't think negative that something happened. You know, out there in the brain forest, there's all kinds of snakes and animals and, you know, you think the worst. And so uh, a few days went by and he voxed me back. And I wish you, I wish I could, I wish I was in English. I played it for my daughters and my wife and he has turned into such a preacher. I mean, I listened to him testify this and he just was preaching. And I was like, man, I wish, he could, I, wish he, I could just translate this into English. But he got on there and he said, oh, my Jesus. You know, he said, my Jesus. He said, I was learning through this thing that he needed to fill my void. And he said, I got a call from somebody that said they saw my dog. And I'm talking, if you've ever been to Costa Rica, you're talking miles and miles and miles of dense forest. There's no way to see a little dog like that. It's just not possible. And they called him up. And said, I think I saw your dog. And they drove out there and he found his dog. After all these days, it's like impossible to find a dog like that. But I said all that to say this, because when he found that dog, he, he's voxing me. He's telling me this story and he's just saying, the Lord taught me. You know, the Lord gave me back to my dog. But he said, that's not even the important thing. He said, I learned in that time of distress and pain and sadness that I lost my dog, that Jesus was my void filler. That Jesus was my answer. And if I lost my dog, I lost my dog and I, I would miss him. But Jesus is my answer. So I'm telling you, I'm speaking to somebody this morning that's realizing, even right now, you've been realizing that Jesus is that answer. And he's the void filler. And, and there's some verses. Haggai, don't go to it for time. Write it down if you want to, want to so I can close up. In Haggai 1, verse 5 and 6, he says, Therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Haggai 1, 5 and 6. Write that down and keep that somewhere so when you're ministering to somebody who seems like they just can't be happy, you can show them why. Read that verse to him and say, look, you're always, no matter how much money you make, your pockets are going to feel empty. No matter how much food you have, you're going to feel hungry. Doesn't matter how much drink you have, you're going to be thirsty. Until you stop trying to fill those voids in your life with things of this world, you are always going to be hungry. You're always going to be thirsty. You're always going to need. You're always going to lack. But Jesus wants to come in and be the perfect exchange for the void in your life this morning. But until you do that, you're going to continue to walk in that darkness. Isaiah 55. Go to Isaiah, if you, if you would, real quick. And we're going to close here in chapter 53. I'm going to finally get, for just a couple minutes, the, the point of this message. As you get into Isaiah 53, I want to read Isaiah 55, verse 2. It's very similar to Haggai. He says, why do you spend money for what is not bread? And, why, uh, and, and, and your wages for what does not satisfy Man, this is a good verse. I, I, sometimes I wish I could just have the whole world's attention. So I could just tell them, you know what? You're looking in the wrong places. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for, for fulfillment in all the wrong places. Has anybody in here, just want, I just want to know, has anybody in here truly found that Jesus Christ is the only one that can fill those voids in your life? Has anybody had that revelation in your life? Amen. Don't you just want the whole world to know what you have? 
Amen. We can't keep it to ourselves. That's when you just really fall in love with God. It's not religious anymore. It's relationship. And you can't keep your mouth shut. You just want everybody to know how real he is. And then you look, you stand back later and you look at someone else's life and you say, man, that's so me. That's me. I can see the, how they're working so hard and they never can pay the bills. They're trying so hard to be good parents and their kids don't want to have nothing to do with them. They're trying so hard and on and on and on. I get all kinds of examples and you can look at their life and you can say, God, that's me. And you say, thank you, Lord, that I have found the answer. Amen. Amen. But it shouldn't stay there. Amen. We've got to make sure they know what your answer is, that they know that you, you can they can have what you have, that they, they can exchange this old world and the pains and the darkness for something perfect, which is Jesus. Amen. And so it says, why do you spend money for what is not bread? And why do you spend your wages on what doesn't satisfy? And then he says, listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Amen. Read, read Isaiah 53 with me, if you will. And actually, I got to get there myself. While I'm getting there, let me tell you something really cool about the book of Isaiah. Do you know there's 66 books in the Bible, right? Isaiah is a very, 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 to the 50 millionth power, powerful book. Isaiah has a special place in the Bible. Isaiah is a picture of the New Testament and a picture of the Bible. Isaiah has 66 books in it. Sorry, chapters. Just like the book, the Bible has 66 chapters, books. I'm getting that backed up. You know what I'm trying to say. Isaiah has 66 books. The Bible has, sorry, chapters. Goodness, grief. And the Bible has 66 books. The New Testament has 27 books. The Old Testament has what? 49, right? Is that good math? The first 49 chapters of Isaiah are all Old Testament. Starting in 50 to 66, those 27 final chapters is like reading the New Testament. I want you to go look at it. And we see the beginning of that right here in chapter 53 when he says, Who has believed our report, verse 1, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, this is all Jesus, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Now, th now, this is a picture of the cross. Some people make Jesus out to be an ugly person when he walked the earth. This is on the cross. This is the cross. Amen? The, he, he had no beauty to become because he was beaten to death. And he was beaten for us. And obviously we know that it, it, the, the old movies of the Jesus movies did not do justice. They were just a lot more friendly. I can't watch The Passion of the Christ again. That's, I'm not, I just don't like to see that kind of stuff. My daughter wants to see it because she saw it when she's really young and I might make myself watch it with her. When somebody gets hurt in an, in an accident, I can't go there. I'm just not one of those people. Somebody gets an accident on a court, I turn my head. I can't see that stuff. But this is, this, the movie, even the, the, even the movie of the Passion of the Christ cannot do justice to what Jesus looked like. He had no form of comeliness. There was nothing to be desired of him. Verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Those are some of the most powerful verses in the Bible. Amen. And as you read that, I pray something grips you. And if you really love the Lord, something inside of you says, God, thank you for becoming right here. The perfect exchange. He exchanged his perfection for us so that we could be made perfect. He exchanged our void for peace. Here's some things that happen if you're able to keep up with me on your notes as I close. Jesus was punished so we can be forgiven. Jesus was punished so we can be forgiven. Jesus, I'm going to show you just some things out of these verses I just read. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness. Have you ever thought about that? Let's get that this morning. Don't when I say don't be religious, that means don't just go through the motions of living a godly life. Really think about what Jesus did for you. When when he said when he took our sin on, he was not sinful. He had no sin in him. He was perfect. And if you can think for a second about something that absolutely you just can't. And I hope that this is the case in your life. You hate sin. We should hate sin. And if you're looking at sin and, and, and you see something ungodly and you turn your head away, can you imagine what it was like for Jesus as he, he became sin for us? He became sin, but he didn't just take on just a sin. He took on my sin. He took on your sin. And that's why it has to become personal, because he took on my sinfulness. He took on my actual sins. We hear that word sin and it's so general. But he took on. You go ahead and just go there for a second. And think for a second, not too long, on some of the things you've done that are shameful. On some of the things you've done that are wrong. On some of the things you've done that you regretted. And they still try to bother you today. That sin was laid on Jesus. He took it on him for you. So you could be perfect. That's, that's like putting some kind of horrible, horrendous thing on a baby. It's like putting some disease on a perfectly beautiful little baby. That's not theirs. And infecting them, he became sin with our sinfulness. That we could be made righteous with his righteousness. He endured poverty. So that we could share in his abundance. He bore our shame so we could share in his glory. He endured our rejection. How many have ever been rejected? Shamed, rejected, turned down, pushed away, felt like you're a nobody. Jesus took that on him so that you could share in his acceptance. See, a lot of times we don't really realize who we are in God because we don't understand what he took for us. 
There is no reason for you to be rejected this morning. There is no reason for you to walk in shame this morning because Jesus took that from you. You are not anything to be rejected. You are not anything to be ashamed of. You are a child of the living God and you are perfect in his eyes. You better lift your head up and start walking like a child of God. Amen. Because you are perfect because of a perfect exchange. His life for mine. His life for yours. He was wounded with our sickness so that we could be made whole. And Jesus took our old man so that a new man could live in us. As the musicians come today, I want you to think about one last verse in the book of John. And you can just write it down for time. But church, we need a revelation of Jesus on that cross again. We need to really, really, you're, you, I, I'll go as far as to say is you're not going to make it in your walk with God if you don't get a revelation of the perfect exchange he did for you. Sometimes we need to go back and as I said a second ago, touch that sensitive nerve and think, not for a long time, but remember, God, I did some horrible things and you took that on you. Perfect. What a, what a, I wasn't even thinking about it, but what an example this morning with these babies being dedicated. There's a special place in hell for people who mess with innocent babies and innocent kids. One of the most sickening things that's going on today in this world is child pornography. I'm telling you, I can't understand. I can't understand how somebody could be so depraved in their mind. I've always said, you know, Pastor Jones said something when Jimmy Swaggart fell. I remember Jimmy Swaggart. Now, I, I want you to hear this out. Hear my heart on this. When Jimmy Swaggart fell, a lot of people fell. Because they were looking up to a man who was mightily used. But I'll never forget, Pastor Jones said one time something so powerful, and it, it was a truth. You, you don't take away from what he did by saying this, but he said at least he sinned with a consenting woman. Because you have all these priests today that are abusing kids. I'm sorry if I'm hitting a nerve, but... And I don't know exactly why I'm saying this, but I'm just listening to the Lord. You know, it, when, somebody, when somebody does something to a kid, an innocent kid, I'm, they're lucky I'm not God. It's the only time I ever think about Sharia law would be good. Some things need to be cut off. Some things need to be eliminated. Burned. And you know what I'm talking about. Castrated. However you want to say it. There's a sick place. But even there, even there, listen, here's where it comes back. I can't hardly understand it. Even there, Jesus took that. Even that, even that sick, perverted sin, that person today can be forgiven. I wouldn't forgive them, but Jesus would. If they would repent, y'all following me? Sometimes you got to go way over there and you got to think, oh my goodness, what a sick world. But if there's somebody in prison today, although the prisoners will not let it go, 
probably be beating the rest of their lives if that man or woman today would repent and call on the name of Jesus. 2,000 years ago, Jesus did a perfect exchange for a pedophile. And in our eyes, it's, it's just a whole nother level of sin. But in God's, it's all sin. And it needs the blood. And the, here's the really crazy thing. That pedophile in hell will be in the same place as that wonderful, work-driven, good person that does not know Jesus Christ Amen. as their Lord and Savior in the same place. In the same place. And we talked about that last week with the thief on the cross. Sim sorry, Wednesday, the Simple Gospel Church. Jesus answered with these words, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. How many know if you don't eat for a few days, you're not going to make it? For me, it's not a few days, but... I mean, if you don't eat for a few days, you've got to have food. I am the bread of life, he says. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Amen? Never thirst. This morning, I pray that as we leave this place, you'll have a divine revelation of the perfect exchange Jesus did for you.